Let us pray. In Jesus' name. Father, we commit our life as we go into your words this morning. I commit myself and my brethren into your holy hands and pray, God, that as we examine ourselves concerning these resources, you shall help us to change. In Jesus' name we pray. I thank the church council and everybody here for giving me an opportunity for us to share in the word of God. What we are going to discuss today is discipling with your resources. This, our discussion, we do very well if we all examine ourselves individually as we pass through this word of God. When we talk about discipling with your resources, what are actually the resources that are available to you as an individual? with which you can now disciple others. I looked briefly and found out that, look, your time, your talent, your treasure, and some of your social positions are those things that are available to you, which you can use to actually propagate the gospel of Christ. So what we are going to discuss today shall actually center on the word of God, which we read then I will quickly talk about time and talent easily before I narrow down to the resources that are available to you. When you talk about those resources, people think that time is not a resource. Time is a resource which you have, which you can squeeze out to actually visit others, which you can squeeze out to attend church programs quietly and on time, Time, uh, people say, is money. So the way you use your time in terms of finding time to get to others and approach others is also very, very important. The other one is their talent. Some people sing very well. Some people act very well. Some people are very cheerful. When you see them, they donate a smile to you. Some of them greet you very well and I see These things are important. Very, very well. Even in terms of those who even play pianos and ushers. Some people have, have talents in that. So all these things will show you that, look, you can actually use anything to the glory of God. The other one is your social position. Some people have good positions. They can give jobs. They can help others. They can even set up businesses. Some of them are teachers. Some people, some of us are teachers. These are these are your resources, which along the line, the way you handle those jobs can actually help you to give to others. Praise God. Finally, I narrow down to this treasure from where we read today. Going through the Bible, when you really look at your resources and the treasure, what Jesus usually says about treasure helps us to know the importance of treasure and the resources you have. Sometimes, even when you go, you find out that, look, Jesus talked about resources and treasure. Sometimes, more than violence and more than fornication and adulteries in the scriptures. If you really go through the scriptures very, very well. Jesus talked about treasures because we have many treasures. Some of us have a liquid cash. Some of us have real estates. We have clothes. Shoes, 
phones, cars, some of us have shares in the companies. These are our treasures which we have. But the treasure you have is actually made for a purpose. You're supposed to use it for yourself, for your family, for the poor, for the churches. In the churches, you use your treasure for missions, for the priests, and for building some infrastructures. But there are certain things that actually make somebody to be liberated from that treasure. Jesus warned us in Matthew chapter 6, verse 21. He said, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. This happened to me when I was a young person. I came back from youth service. I actually bought a little car. That night, I did not sleep. Because I was thinking that the people who brought the car from Kotunu may come and steal it that night. So, once there is a little lizard something, I just jump up. I was just moving from where I was to the car and then back till daybreak. So, it really shows that if this thing has actually not happened to you, it shows you that where your treasure is. When I remember that, that is where your what? Your heart is. And you cannot separate it from God. The other thing Jesus also warned about that is the Matthew chapter 6 verse 24. Jesus made it very clear that you cannot serve God and mammon. He is not saying that you can't be rich, you can't have resources, you can't have cars, but he's talking about spiritual detachment from those resources you have so that you can use it for his own good. If you don't extricate yourself from that, because these things will weigh you down. Your type of phone you have, the type of cars you have, where you are living, trying to upgrade yourself, it will weigh you down. The scripture is telling us, look, move away from that attachment. That is what he's always saying you're going. Because when I was reading this scripture, I said, okay, is it not better for me to be poor, resign where I am, so that I won't have resources, and then I will become poor and go to heaven? It's not true. It's not true. So, all human beings, when you talk about your resources, what are the prescriptions that were given to us in the Old Testament about our resources? There are prescriptions. One is the Lord's tithes. There are prescriptions that were given in the Old Testament. I move from that to the New Testament, and then we talk about our resources. One is the Lord's tithes. In Leviticus chapter 27, verse 30. And Malachi chapter 3 verse 8. I won't read that because all of us are conversant with these scriptures. In Malachi chapter 3 verse 8, he said that will a man rob God? And we are told to give 10% of whatever we have earned. You calculate it and give it as much as you want. That is prescription. That's why some people, after giving this time, they start accusing God. Why am I sick? Why am I doing this? Why am I doing this? I was paying my tithe. You see people that are sick or doing something. They say they have been paying their tithe. Why is this thing happening to them? But these things are being out of context. So fundamentally, what we are talking to do is not about your tithe. Your tithe, you have a resources which is directed to the work of God. The other part of giving, which was also given in the Old Testament about your resources, is what they call the festival tithe. That one is in Deuteronomy 12, verse 10, and then 11, 17, and 18. That was for annual celebration in Israel 
when Israel conquered the promised land. Nobody in the church services shall talk about those things today because some people believe it's no longer relevant. Another one is free, free will offerings. Free will offerings, which we also offer. The fourth one is the poor tithe, surprisingly. The poor tithe was social welfare for people that are poor. In Deuteronomy chapter 14, verse 29 or 28, I'll read that in very quietly. He said, at the end of every year, bring all the tithes of that year produced and store it in your towns, so that the Levites and, and the aliens, the fatherless and the widows who live in your towns may come and eat and be satisfied, so that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands at the end of every three years. God provided this thing in order that the poor among us shall have something to eat. They should have something to do what? To eat and to participate in. Even in Leviticus chapter 19.9, God also charged the Israelites that when they go to harvest, they should not harvest everything. Some of you that are younger may not understand this. But during the war or after the war, immediately after, those that are older will understand. I don't know whether you people are, some of you that are younger may not understand. But you move from people's farm to the other, looking for where the, where the, either the tubers or something that is left. These are actually these things that were used to support the poor. And these provisions of these resources were made by God. What it was made by God is for us to realize that what we have is actually given to us by God. And that we should use it on others. Surprisingly, we find out that God actually looked at us from our relationship with those on earth. Not really with those with angels. How you relate with people on earth shows whether you are a Christian. Not really how you relate with angels and spirits. And God does looks at you in that way. So in the New Testament, how do we really talk about this, the losing resources for the poor? Because this poverty, I'm telling you, is relative. Is it not? Some of you may think that you are not, you are not rich. If, if they call for a donation now and they kept in us in that, and I'm there. Or surprisingly, I'm a poor man then. Is it not true? Eh? Relatively. No, it is true. Because some people may think there's nothing you have. Everybody has something to do what? To offer. Look at the New Testament in terms of what? When I looked at Galatians chapter 2, 9 to 10, when Paul was, as, when, when Paul was being accepted by the other apostles, Paul really made one statement in from verse that 9 to 10. He said that even though those other apostles accepted him, they made one request. They made one request for him. That one request in Galatians chapter 2 verse 10 said that all they asked was that we should continue to remember the poor, the very thing I was eager to do. So in releasing him to the Gentiles, the one that look, resources you get must be directed towards to evangelizing and to taking care of the poor. That was all he asked about. 
be released. He said that all the acts. There were other things that were relevant in the scriptures. Evangelism, doing those so many other things, praying and all that. But he said all the acts was that we should continue to remember the poor, the very thing he was eager to do. Praise God. Then the other thing we also go, if you look at James chapter 1, verse 27, the major thing, the resources God was also talking to us. He said that religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this. To look after the orphans and the widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. The religion God accepts, which he say is what? Faultless. Is to look at the orphans and the widows. Do what? In their distress and then keep yourself unpolluted by the world. As I was going through these scriptures, I was asking myself, do we really meet into these standards when we have the resources? Is there anything that has moved us away from looking after these things? Because in the Old Testament, you find out that you can't separate good works from a Christian. It's a natural flow. By the time you use your resources on others, on the poor, on the younger people that are actually growing up, it shows you are a Christian. If I give money, if I get a cow now and then give to the governor of Enugu State and congratulate him, everybody will know that I'm looking for something. Is it not true? Is it not true? I'm looking for something. It's a clear thing. I'm not doing I'm not making any sacrifice. I'm looking for contract and looking for recognition. But if you now get the same amount of money and you are giving it to the poor, or if you traffic, if you stop in a traffic light and then give that money to a beggar, the beggar will almost run away. I do understand what I'm saying. But everybody who sees you knows that you are actually not giving this money for any purpose. Human beings feel that, look, you must give and you must get something. But that is not the scripture. Praise God. In the New Testament, the emphasis was not too much on tithes, offerings, and it was because that thing was presumed. It's a fundamental thing which every Christian does. What the New Testament is teaching us is higher ground, higher giving. Apart from your tithes, apart from your offerings, apart from your free offerings, the New Testament prescribes something greater. And that what it was shown there. When you do that grace of giving, let me also tell you one story. When we were younger, my father told me that he had an uncle. And during the wedding, they were this and they were all young then when the white men came initially into this country. And as they were saying so many things with our sickness and his sorrow, we you, the man was saying yes, yes. Then when it was not translated to him, when they said that, look, with all my earthly goods, I wed you. Then they said that the man translated that look, if any the man said, that was at the moment the man felt that look, this is where it was done, pinches him. But between the other things he was talking about, he was answering it what easily. Because it doesn't really concern. That will show you what treasure is. It's actually important that you detach yourself from it. And you will never have joy 
and you never have great joy in this Christianity until you have a spiritual detachment from your resources. It's only when, that is only when you can use it for others and you can use it for the gospel of Christ. But as long as that spiritual detachment is not there, it will be extremely difficult. And it's not really easy to detach yourself. It was not easy to detach yourself. It's a struggle. And until you do that, the rest of your life will be what? Easier. That is not the same thing with grumbling. Because I don't say that you give and grumble, but that thing is important for us to so when you talk about this giving and grace of giving and using, there is no law. It's not 10%, it's not 20%, it's not to the widows. There is no law concerning it. They have their first fruits, you have your tithes, you have your free rock. This one has no end. It's an open-ended thing which you can empty yourself onto. Praise God. Because when you look at Second uh, Corinthians chapter 8, from verse 1 to 2, it says, Now, brothers... We want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. Out of the most severe trial, the overflowing joy and extreme poverty weighed up in rich generosity. They were giving and giving and giving to your hurt them. Anything, if you say that, look, if you bring out an offering now, and I come here and offer 300 naira or 500 naira, Honestly, he has, I have not given. Do you understand what I'm telling you? Considering my resources. If I give 10 naira here, I have not given. Because what is remaining is far more than what I have. Remember the widow. The widow one people always say the widow's might. Remember what Jesus considered. What he considered was what was left for the widow, not what she gave. That is the attitude. That was Jesus, so it's not any other person. There was no intermediary, it's not the apostles. It was Jesus that made that prescription. That thing cannot be done unless we have actually understood the gospel and given our life to Christ. That is the grace of giving. Then when you come with discipling with your resources, it belongs to this grace of giving. So when you talk about discipling with your resources, it's not talking, it's additional, in addition to your tithe, your free will offerings, your everything, it is now with your grace of giving. You have to make an extra effort to give. The essence of giving is to bring people to Christ and then to propagate the gospel and telling God that, look, all I have belongs to you. That is what it means. If you are holding what you have, it means you have made it. I have made it. People should admire me. I have cars. I have this. I have real estate. And, all. and if you can't release that, it means you are telling God that you do what? I have it. And such people who say they have it, remember the man who built barns. Do you understand? And was trying to expand. Jesus told him that, gave a parable, said that today, do you understand? The man should do what? Should die. Let's look at example from where we read. Acts of the Apostles, chapter 9, verse 36. Acts of the Apostles, chapter... We have read that we may not repeat so that we will call out with our time. This woman called Dorcas, for many years, people are still remembering her. For what reasons? For the singular reason that he was looking after the widows and the orphans. 
and she was using her resources to help the less privileged. There is one this sister sister Teresa in India or Calcutta or something. She had a Nobel Prize. Why? Because of her attention to the poor. One day I was watching CNN. They said that those who won CNN uh, was there was an award that was given to people with CNN. These are the people who touched the life of people. Not necessarily people who have millions or people who actually abuse so many. I've never seen people who were awarded prizes for accumulating wealth. I don't know whether there's any gathering you have ever attended and people were called because you made millions have this. Because you make this thing. Even the world do not recognize unnecessary accumulation of wealth. Not to talk of Christians. It is not that you become poor. No. It is not that you stop working. No. When you have money, it is this grace of giving that actually helps you to continue to work hard. It is the grace of, as you get your money, it is this grace of giving that makes you to do what? So these people actually we are remembered. They say that in Joppa there was a disciple named Tabitha Dockers who was doing good and helping the poor. I wrote in my, in my diary. He said, in the chapel of resurrection, he should teaching so there was a disciple named who? You. <laughs> doing good and doing what? Helping the poor. I believe that on the last day, when the, when the, when the chronicles or when it will be written, that there will be somebody in this chapel of resurrection who will replace these dockers. Who will do what? Replace these dockers. We have to look at ourselves. Because when I was reading, I was also pinching myself. I was asking myself, do I fit into these dockers? I wish they would replace these dockers with my name in this chapel. It's, it's a decision. Because most of these things, you can put it on as you put on your dress. Looking after others. Paul also commanded rich in 1 Timothy chapter 6, 17-9 to do what? To do good. To be rich in good deeds and to be generous and to be willing to share. I also looked at the New Old Testament. Let's look at Second Samuel. I will gradually read through that. And then we now look at, that was in the Old Testament, Second Samuel chapter 9. I will read that and then we also look at it. It has 13 verses, but I will go through it very gradually. You see, David asked, Is there anyone left of the house of Saul to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? No, there was a servant of Saul's house named Zippa. They called him to appear before David and the king said to him, are you Zippa, your servant? He replied. The king asked, Is there no one still left of the house of Saul to whom I can show kindness? Zippa answered the king, There is see a son of Jonathan. He is crippled in both feet. Where is he? The king asked. Zippa answered, 
He is at the house of Micah, son of Amiel, in the low depot. So King David had him brought from low depot, from the house of Micah, son of Amiel. When Mephibosheth, son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David, he bowed down to pay him honor. David said, Mephibosheth, your servant, he replied. Of course, the, the child was afraid. Don't be afraid, David said to him. For I will surely show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. I will restore to you all the land that belonged to your grandfather, Saul. And you will always eat at my table. Mephibosheth bowed down and said, What is it, your servant, that you should notice a dead dog like me? Then the king summoned Zippa, Saul's servant, and said to him, I have given your master's grandson everything that belonged to Saul and his family. You and your sons and your servants are to farm the land for him, bringing the crops so that your master's grandson may be provided for. And Mephibosheth, grandson of your master, will always eat at your table. Now Zippa had 15 sons and 20 servants. Then Zippa said to the king, Your servant will do whatever my lord the king commands his servant to do. So Mephibosheth ate at the king's table, like who? One of the king's sons. Mephibosheth had a young, a young son named Michal, and all the members of Zippa's household were servants of Mephibosheth. And Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem because he always ate at the king's table, and he was crippled in both feet. When you look at this part of the scripture, you also see how somebody can use his resources to look after. Even though he may think that he's paying back. But do we really pay back? Do we consider this man, imagine somebody coming into a house. And see, even if you come to me and see somebody crippled in both feet sitting at my table and then eating with my sons. When, your house, when our house head don't even eat with our sons. But this is somebody that was extracted, crippled. Ngolo. I just imagine him, his legs should be hanging on those seats. And this is what we call Christianity. Human beings believe we are pretenders. And even when we are in the campus, when you say you are born again, they say you are pretending. You see, the reason they are saying we are pretending, they are looking for us to behave differently. That's all. They are looking at us to behave differently. Those things they cannot do. Are we ready to do it as Christians? Our resources, are we channeling it in the same way Unbelievers channel their resources. Where they put money, we put money. Let us step out of that field and put our money in a different way altogether. In using it to disciple others. Okay, supposing David eventually now tell Mephibosheth, can you give your life to Christ? What do you think will happen? Huh? He will, he will say he doesn't want. Of course not. There's a way you will treat somebody. Anything you are telling the person, he will do it. I'm telling you this. 
If, if David was carrying Bible from place to place, and he made Mephibosheth with his crippled hand, hanged on, and telling him, can you receive Christ into you? He may do that. When the man goes, look at this man. That was his reactions. But by approaching this thing this way, the gospel of Christ can actually go further than what we already have. People are looking at me, and as I was reading these scriptures, I was also asking myself, I'm not preaching because I have attained. I'm preaching that all of us should look inwards and change our ways. And change our This Christianity is not fellowship, attending churches, attending programs. It's what we do with ourselves. Conduct is important. Another part of it is that, apart from this, uh, looking at these things, there are also what James says in James chapter 2, verse 14 to 17, attending to the physical needs of our people. Attending to the physical needs. Whatever we have, the thing we need to do is that we believe that everything we have belongs to Christ and belongs to God. So that we don't go out of our way to always keep whatever we have. Because when we come into this world, we had nothing. And when we are going to die, we are unlikely to carry anything. James was saying in James chapter 2, 14 to 17, he said, What good is it, my brothers, if a man claims to have faith, but has no deeds? Can such faith save him? Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to him, Go, I wish you well. Keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about his physical need. What good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is what? It's dead. Action. If someone says you have faith, I have it. Show me your faith without this, and I will show you my faith by what I did. You believe there is one God, good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. Praise God. For us also, if we also look at Ephesians about this, we find out that God in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 said that God, our God workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do what? To do good works. To use our resources unto others. When you use that, it comes, um, comes as if these things are received from God. It's easy for your company to go home and say that, look, because of the way you put a smile on his face, this gospel is a reality. But if they continue to suffer, somebody can pay school fees, somebody can pay house friends, we are all gathering here, at the end of the day, we all move about. Sometimes we are not even close. We don't even know what is happening to our neighbors. We just drive out and drive in and move about. The realities on the ground is this. How have I touched lives? That is the truth. How have I touched lives? About the people that at least we see here. And then the people we also see around us. Because there is also a God's family where we also belong to, and which God will also help us to do. Praise God. When we look at Galatians chapter 6, 
from verse 9. We read that one. Galatians chapter 6. I read from verse 9. Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not do what? Give up. The second one is a challenge. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to who? To all people, then especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Especially those who belong to the family of believers. So there is something we also need to do. We need to readjust. Is it not? We need to do some readjustment in our life and in our resources. It doesn't really matter what we think about it. But these are clear things. The way it is written, be born again. The way it is also written, as you have opportunity, do good to all men, especially those who belong to the family of believers. You may have other interpretations, but I, look, I usually look at the Bible simply, the way it is written. There may be other things that are there which people may also give interpretation. But these ones are obvious that we should do that. When you read these scriptures and I ask, the believers that are around us, do we do good to them? Sometimes I had a classmate, he needed to travel to India for something. Our old classmates, both believers, they started contributing money to help him do that. They started contributing money and running around. These are the people who will call on believers, that smokers, that fornicators. But these people behaved in such a way that shuddered on me. Because sometimes when people behave, you start thinking, you take into yourself. They gathered everything they have, off he, off he went. Their resources. Their own world resources. When the person comes down and you are giving that, if you now tell him, let us pray with you, will he say no? Of course, he will kneel down. If he has four eyes, he will close all of them. But if you just go up and tell the person, yeah, I've been telling you this your sickness is a cause, is a family problem, I've told you, repent, your, your death is imminent. He will not listen to you. He will not do what listen to after you must have finished talking, he will go and leave the compound. So the key, part of the key to this gospel is good deeds and good works. It opens doors that have been locked. If there's a relationship that has been closed down, your resources can open it. If you apply it appropriately. Not necessarily that you give your resources to people that are lazy. There are people that are lazy, is it not? Uh-huh. But it's, not, it's, it's difficult to do that. I was doing that thing before. Say that if you are lazy, or if I'm walking, I'm walking along the road, and I see you, and I looked at you, and there is no deformity there, I go away, no. I was doing that until I had a senior brother. He told me that these people you are talking about, they have, oh, he spoke it in Hebrew, saying that fan will always say in their mind, so that I should help them. So that I may not even be seeing anything. But they have a physical defect. Because for somebody to beg, it means that, look, something is wrong. Is it not true? Something is wrong, which is not obvious to us. So that's why you can actually give out your money and your help 
to anybody that comes and comes to. First Peter chapter 2 verse 15 says, We live such a good life among pagans. That though they, they, though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits you. No matter what somebody talks about you, your good deeds will close the person's mouth. Is it not? Something you have talked, something you have done for the person, will, that thing will close the person's mouth. So what do I say to do this? Having listened to this, what do we do when we live here? I'll round up. One is that we should look around. We should pray and tell God to expose you to where you can use your resources. It's a prayer point. Tell God that, look, there's somebody who needs my resources. Show that person to me. God will do that. I'm telling you. Telling you. There are people who need that your resources. Tell God to show them. There's somebody who needs that shoe you are no longer using. Somebody who needs that coat, that car, that phone, that slippers, that dress that has been in your wardrobe for almost six months and you haven't worn it. Somebody needs it. And that thing alone can bring the person to Christ. And as you give all those things, God will also visit you. Then you should identify somebody who can give scholarship. There are students that are in the campuses that actually don't have money to pay their school fees. When I worked as a clinical, I found out that there were some students that were withdrawing from the university for lack of fees. Somebody may just, just because of he's withdrawn from the university for lack of fees. Tell God, these are realities. There are also fellowships that are existing in the campuses. You can, if some of them need buses, they need help, you can mentor them. The church also had land projects where they have, they need to buy land. You can buy one. Your money will not finish. I'm telling you, it was not easy for me initially. It was not easy. Because when you give out money, you feel it has gone out, that it will finish. It's a natural human reaction. It will not. Because if somebody's money is stolen, do the person die? He recovers. You see, because the money was not stolen, you gave it out. If your phone is stolen, don't you buy another one. So why are you afraid to give? Can train any of your relationship or your house help and can make one of your, let your house be a Mephibosheth. Is it not possible? It can. Can pay the school fees, can move the person up. Just help God because no matter how you think about human beings, they will eventually become what God wants them to become. Why not be part of it? If you say you don't want to be part of it, God will raise another person. He will become part of it. Give money to the beggars. When your car stops on the traffic light, change, uh, change, make a change. If it is, don't change 10 naira. Because they won't buy food for them. Please. 
get subscription, make a change. When you withdraw money, have a skiffy there. When they come, give them, whether their eyes are closed or whether they are open. That is not your business. Give them that. No matter how little, you train yourself that way. Go to your villages. There are people that are there languishing. Not where you come back, you mount your house and telling them to Chegalia, Chegalia, when they have not eaten. Offer them. Belong to your meaning. So make effort to know at least one new person in the church every day. When you get closer to people, that's the only way. Somebody can just approach to you and tell you, I haven't paid my school fees. I have some problems. They won't. It's only when you are close to somebody that the person can reveal his feelings to you. It's not easy to beg. It's not easy to tell somebody that you have a problem. It's not an easy thing. The other thing is that you also need, need to know that you can also, if you say they don't stay in your house, you can purposely pick up a job. You can say that, look, you are working and you have a free time. You can pick up a job and say that, look, the job and doing it in order to aim more resources to help others. Is the reality. Aim more resources to help others. Instead of lying down and lazing about, moving from place to place, you can pick up an extra job and income coming from this extra job is dedicated to helping others. You can even, if you have so much resources, you can even open up. You can open up phone booths, you can open up small kiosks and employ young, young people inside those people and then give those resources to them. Some people say that they can be cheated. Ah, they, they, they will cheat you. They will do what? They will cheat you. But there was something also liberated me from there. If you go to, I think it's, uh, if you go to First Corinthians chapter 6, they will cheat you. I also understand that they will cheat you. But that cheating is, doesn't really mean that once you are cheated, then there's nothing that you can do about it. There's, the Bible makes it very clear to us that it is also not too uh, you see, I was talking, thinking about people cheating me, but when I now read First Corinthians chapter six verse seven, I say that look, the very fact that you have lost you among me, you have been completely defeated. The Bible said that why rather why not rather be wrong? Why not rather be cheated? Even if you are cheated, why not rather be cheated? You can state up all those things. These are hard hard facts. For a Christian who wants to move onto the higher ground, not other. So that our the essence of doing this is that everything we have, even from the older churches we have, they were selling their goods and we are bringing something as and giving to people as they need be. I believe I don't know whether it is wrong or not. There's a certain amount of money you really need in this life. If you get above it, it becomes a source of trouble. I'm telling you. If you have four, five cars, sometimes the, their battery will stop, start spoiling. Is it not true? Every morning, your driver will be warming, warming them. Otherwise, the battery will run down. I was discussing with one doctor yesterday. He was telling me that, look, the shoes they have, some of them have even gone soon because he was not wearing the shoes. The shoes were just there. If you have up to ten shoes and five shoes, sometimes you can't wear all of them. So they get spoiled. Or they just there. If you have multiple buildings and then 
sometimes if you don't maintain them, it is a problem. So I believe there are certain amounts. So the rest you don't need. What do you do? Use it as grace giving. Give it out to people around you. Or invest them and employ people into the thing. You don't need them. There's actually no need acquiring those things and keeping it. You can get. I walk. I walk. But the truth with it is that God has said that, look, that money can actually be given out to do. Praise God. Finally, there's even a reward for that. Let's finally look at Matthew 25, 34 to 36, and then we close. I read Matthew 25 from 34. 25, 30. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. These people are told to take what did they do? For I was hungry, and you gave me something to do what? To eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to do what? To drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invited you and needed clothes and clothed you? When did we see you sick in prison and go to visit? The king will reply, I'll tell you the truth. Whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did it for me. So Christ is personified in all of us. Christ is personified in the beggars. Christ is personified in that your neighbor, in that person in your yard, in that person in your village, your fellow students, sick people in this hospital. God sees you through them. He sees you through them. He doesn't just see you in the church. He sees you through them. So what do we do? It's not that Christianity is not that that you aim heaven by doing this good work. Let us not be understood. You may build this church and still go to hell. I hope you know that. But the fundamental thing is that you should build this church as soon as you become a Christian. It's a follow-through. It's a natural, just like a student admitted into the university. It is natural that the student reads his book. Is it not true? You don't tell a student you must read their book. It's natural. So the natural flow from us as Christians are good deeds. And Christians were known in the old days by the way they behave. By the way they behave. By the way they attend. Even widows who are qualified for good good. Dockers were known for good works. Are we ready to do so? Let us pray. First of all, pray for me that these things I have spoken 
should also be part and parcel of my life. Then I will pray for you. In Jesus' name we pray.